Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. And welcome to Elijah Streams. It's happy Tuesday, March 14, 2023. Going to be a great show with Yvonne Atia. Uh, so without further delay, let's just jump in and go for it. Uh, the only thing we have is a spot to remind you of your uh, generous giving that we appreciate so much. So Michael, go ahead and run that today. Wow, so many Ugandans have come to faith in Jesus uh, because of these wells. Uh, one of our commercials that we've done shows the celebration going on behind them. Uh, one built the church right next to the well. Uh, it's There's such a huge population of the earth that has to walk and walk and walk, uh, sometimes miles, just to get water for that day. And it's brown and dirty and they, you know, they don't have the sterilization. So what you're doing is not just giving a cup of cold water, which Jesus said you receive a great reward for that, but people will come up to you uh, in heaven one day and say, because you gave, I, I came to know the Lord. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving to, into this ministry. You're supporting the prophets and you're supporting the the cup of cold water. If you look at Matthew 10, both of those things, uh, uh, receiving a prophet in the name of a prophet and giving a cup of cold water, it's in the same couple of verses right next to each other. There's great great rewards for that. So, all right, it's time to bring in Yvonne Atia. So here we go. Well, good morning, Miss Joy. I know that's not your name, but you're full of joy all the time. Steve, thank you. Such an honor to be with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Now we have an announcement that uh, I won't, uh, the show that you will see tomorrow Yvonne is subbing for me, so she will be the new and improved Steve Schultz. <laughs> well, and, and you're going to also do the one with Johnny. Uh, we are actually flying out there to be there with Johnny, but the way things worked out, our flight is at that time. So uh, you'll be doing the show with Johnny after uh, while we're in the air. So yep. um, pe- uh, people should know that you are a dear friend. You are an avid intercessor. I don't know anyone I mean, maybe there's people that pray more than you do, but I don't know anyone that prays more consistently and prayerfully. And uh, so you are a uh, absolutely, you know, Kat calls herself a revelator. I kind of would put you in that category because you've got revelation virtually every morning. And so you stay in touch with me. But I just want to honor you for that and, and let people know that about you. So, um, hey, do me a favor, Yvonne. I know you've got a lot of content. And I know you could talk for an hour about your testimony. Talk about, give me four or five minutes max. Remind people of your testimony, where you came from in Egypt, then you went to Australia and now you're here. Give that to me in four or five minutes or to them, not to me, but to to the viewers so they'll know more about you. Absolutely. Well, Steve, I'll do that in a sec, but I just want to say thank you for trusting me. And um, I don't take this lightly. As you said, you and Doreen are very uh, close friends to our hearts, to me and Mina, and we absolutely love you both, love the team. And it's so easy to serve with people who you love. So I just want to say I'm grateful and I am very thankful. And and by the way, in case anyone missed the announcement, I guess it's probably okay to say this, that 
Kelsey is on maternity leave, so she will be, will be back. We have not replaced Kelsey, just so everyone knows that. But, uh, okay, go for it. I want to hear the story again. I love this story. <laughs> so, Steve, I was born in Egypt. And um, uh, for those of you who haven't heard my testimony before, I actually fell from a three-story building when I was about six years old. Wow. And... Um, I was diagnosed with hemorrhage in the brain as a little girl. And I always say this, this was the first time ever I got to see angels. Really? Um, I wasn't open to the angelic. I, in actual fact, I grew up in a Baptist church. So it wasn't really open to the angels or the Holy Spirit or really any of that. My grandfather is a Baptist pastor. So I did oh. grow up in church. And um, what's actually amazing and why I love America so much is because I don't know if I shared this with you, Steve, but my great grandfather, he was evangelized by an American missionary. And he didn't even have any money to go to college or to go to seminary. And it was through this American missionary who donated money to wow. my great grandfather and they were spreading the gospel in the village with donkeys can you believe it really no means of transport no cars at the time and all they had was just donkeys and bibles from the usa that's all they had Goodness, wow Wow. So it was amazing. So then my my grandfather became obviously a pastor and I was born in, in a Christian home, but I really didn't know much about the Holy Spirit or the power of God or, or anything. But God saved my life at the age of six because I was meant to be dead. <clears throat> in actual fact, doctors said to my mom and dad, this is the saddest news to give anybody, but go out and prepare and, and start preparing the funeral oh my goodness it's horrible when, when when that's the report that you're getting um wow. and so i was diagnosed with a fracture in the spine um blood hemorrhage in the brain and they were saying to my mom and dad that if a miracle does happen and she does live she will be wheelchair bound just because the the fracture in the spine was very visible and, and you know if someone's spine's fractured it's now they end up being quadriplegic so i was in that situation but i remember my grandfather prayed for me and even though this is amazing he wasn't open to the power of god or even he witnessed he didn't witness those live healings but he did carry the word of god on the inside of him and there was something to tell him, there has to be more to this child's life. Like there's no way God would bring forth a child and at six years of age, you would be burying her. So he did not really accept that report. Can I ask you, when did you see, you saw angels when you fell or when did you see angels and what were they doing? As I was falling. So as I was falling from the three-story level, all I could see was, and this is so cute, Steve, because there were children angels. I was only six years old, so they were babies. They weren't my size. They were, and what was so amazing wow. is that they were all surrounding me, but my eyes were so open in the realm of the spirit that I just saw them holding hands and surrounding me. And even though I was in a lot of pain, my mom, my parents would tell me, you kept on 
telling us about the angels. Even when the ambulance arrived and you went to the emergency room, you were telling the doctors about the angels. My goodness. I think God was calling me to preach even from the age of six. (laughs) But I was saying, I saw those angels. I don't understand what, what they were like. And so then the next day in the morning, I woke up. And they were not expecting me because of the amount of blood that I had lost and that was in my brain. It was all internal bleeding. They didn't expect that I would wake up, but I woke up. I wasn't able to sit on the bed because my, so my healing was actually both instant and gradual. I was able to wake up and speak to them, but it did take about a whole year in a break. So I was actually in a metal brace. And if those who saw me, in that I looked like a quadriplegic girl. <laughs> wow. It was actually scary and very sad for my parents because year one and two, I was in bed. I could not get up, um, but prayers kept on going. And what the doctor said to my parents was that she is recovering at a miraculous um, speed. And you're talking about Muslim doctors giving that testimony. You're not wow. talking about Christian doctors. Wow. He's a Muslim doctor saying, we don't understand. In actual fact, someone once said to my father, I knew people, they just fell from a bike. They just fell from a one-story building, not three-story building, and they were dead. So they don't understand how this little girl is beginning to walk and talk and move. Within a year, I was 100% um, back to normal function, and I'm completely normal for the glory of God. So so that happened at the age of six. And then um, at the age of eight, something happened that would change the course of my life forever. And it was when radical Muslims came and attacked our village. And that was when I lost my uncle because he was a Christian. So I never take being a Christian lightly. I take it with a lot of pride and a lot of honor because I know that there were people who paid a very heavy and costly price for us even here in the United States to have this freedom of speech or even to speak about Jesus or even to talk about revival. I mean, I come from a place where revival only happens underground. It doesn't, because if it's not underground, you could be in a lot of trouble. (laughs) What was it that you had to witness regarding your uncle? What did you see? You know, in your own words, I don't want to push too deeply in that, but what did you have to see, so to speak? Yeah, I actually saw him being killed right in front of my eyes. So the amount of trauma, Steve, that I had witnessed as a young girl, it's actually so amazing how people see me today and tell me Miss Joy. Yeah. (laughs) Because normally I could have been in a mental institute, honestly, in actual fact, So what actually happened was that where we lived, there was a block of land and there were two groups of people fighting over the land. Uh, There was a radical Muslim group. They wanted the mosque to be built. And the owner was actually Christian and he wanted the church to be built. And so the radical Muslims were bullying this Christian man and they were pretty much forcing him and telling him, you will sell this land to us. And if you don't, we'll take it anyway. We're going to build a mosque. And the sad thing is they did build a mosque. 
But what they did was they grabbed the microphone and they got one of their radical leaders. And this is all documented on the news. Like this is all historical. Yeah, up until today. It's called the 1981 disaster. um, And the actual place, it's called the Red Corner. This is, in Arabic, it's called El Zawiya Al Hamra, which means the Red Corner. It's a, a village, but it's documented because that wasn't the first time where so many uh, Christians were being martyred because of that mosque. So he gets on the microphone and he says this. He says that I want the blood of the Christians to reach the level of the knees. And we all heard this and we you all heard it. Oh. We heard it, but we all laughed because we've never were exposed to anything like this. So we were like, wow, this is this man's like out of his mind. What does he think he's saying? It didn't take a couple of hours. And what they did was they came into the village and they were holding two things, sticks and swords. And so it was at this time, I'm so thankful to God that my father was actually at work that day. Because by the time my father came back from work and found that what happened, we had to escape. And for him to, for us to escape, my father had to be dressed like a full Muslim man. They had a Muslim uniform, like a white garment. But if you didn't dress in that just to get out of the street, that'd kill you. So my, my father was at work, but my uncle was dropping my auntie midday. And so he had a motorbike. She was behind him. And I saw him coming. And whenever he came into our street, I loved motorbikes. So I, I, I'd be like... Could you drop her and I'll hop on your back and we'll just go for a quick ride and you drop me up. So we did this every time he came and I knew he loves lemonade. So I grabbed the glass of lemonade. I ran downstairs and I was like, come on, get off because I'm getting behind him for the ride. Well, she gets off and she gets in. And as I'm giving him his drink, I literally saw all these. It was like a massive gang members. They were all chanting islamic um slogans and they were white they were full white garments and they had small white hats and they started to hit him with sticks so he collapsed on the ground and i'm screaming i lost my voice and that's when i was like god do something and that was part of my inner healing later on because now a lot of my ministry was towards muslim people and now god poured so much love because he showed me that they are victims of Islam. That, and I'm not scared to say that because I had a lot of people telling me, Yvonne, you need to stop sharing your story because you could be in trouble. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. This is my story. And I'm not going to let any, I'm not going to allow fear and abuse wow. to me to stop this. I don't care because the truth is this is happening. And it really upsets me, Steve, even in places like Australia when, you know, the borders are open to a lot of radical Muslims and a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, they're not, they're lovely people. The thing is, it's not about them. It, they are lovely people. I'm not against Muslims. I love Muslims. It's against what they believe. It's the moment you begin to practice Islam, you must become a terrorist because there's over 120 verses which outright will tell you that for you to be a radical Muslim and for Allah, which is God, that's not our God, by the way, that's a pagan God, but they call him Allah, to be pleased with you, you must kill 
anyone who does not believe in Islam, you must kill everyone who is a Jew. So Jews that name by name and anyone who's a foreigner, take their children, rape their woman. That is in the Islam. Now, a lot of Muslims, what they've done is they retranslated the, the, the Quran to make it a lot more tame, a lot more peaceful. So they've taken out a lot of this, especially when they come to evangelize the West. So a lot of people, so the word Islam comes from the word peace. So actually surrender and peace. So what they say is that Islam is a religion of peace. No, it's not. It entered Egypt by the sword. And every place it will enter, in actual fact, every time you see a mosque being built, they are claiming this land for themselves. Really? And I know that there was a time before President Trump, in the previous presidents, where there was a time when there was so many mosques being built around New York and around all these areas. And a lot of people have no idea it's almost like we're all good. We all love each other. No, we actually don't. That's actually not the truth. And unless we, and that's a part of my message today, we cannot be silent. That's exactly what Mordecai said to Esther. He said to her, if you keep silent, God will deliver us, but you will miss out. And we can't operate out of fear or be silent. So long story short, I saw that. And that tormented me to the core and it was after that that we decided that we needed to migrate to Australia because we were like, okay. And in actual fact, if you live in, in those countries, we have this Christian names and there's Muslim names. So it's not like here. So you either have your Peter and your John and your Paul, or you have your Ahmad, Muhammad, Hussein. So the names are like, so the moment someone who's John, for example, is you'll never enter parliament. You'd never be elected for anything. You'd never make it to um, a football team or a soccer team because Egypt is a Muslim country. They're an Islamic country. So all the constitution and everyone running it is that. But in saying that, there's a huge revival that's happening in Egypt. Wow. And Jesus is appearing in physical form. Steve, I'm not talking about open vision. I'm not talking about dreams. I am talking about so much people that are crying out to God because they are in a crisis. They are in a crisis of faith. They were born in Islam. Their eyes are open because they, they practice that. And now their eyes are open thinking this can't be God. There's no way God would want other people to be killed and slaughtered and, and raped. That's not God. So then what do they do? They, they either become without a religion or they, they either come out and say, I'm atheist. But in the Middle East, it's shameful to say that you're atheist. So you, don't, you have to believe in something. So because of that need to believe in something, they challenge Jesus. They don't challenge him. They put a demand on his presence. So they will be crying out to God. If you are real, this is their prayer. Show me yourself. And, and you're saying, you're saying when they pray that prayer, Jesus shows up in physical form a lot. I guess not every time I assume, but a lot. And their story, is that right? 
Absolutely. And the most amazing miracles take place. One of my favorite miracles, I mean, I hear a lot all the time because I'm connected to that world. But one of my favorite is that if you are a Muslim, you can't go to church. Because uh, when you enter any church in Egypt, it's actually against the law. So they always have a police um, outside the church and you have to have an ID card. Everyone has ID card. And guess what's written on the ID card? What is your religion? You're either Christian or you're either Muslim. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So this Muslim man took his wife and three children and they rock up the church. And on the door, the police guard says to him, you can't enter because you're Muslim. You can't enter. And then he starts weeping and he says to the guard, okay, I know I can't enter. I'm going to tell you why I want to enter and why I believe in Jesus. And after you hear my story, you tell me if you were in my position, would you enter or would you not enter? And the guard said to him, okay, go ahead and tell me. He said to him, well, do you see this 12-year-old daughter? He said, yes. He said to him, she was announced dead in hospital last week. And her death certificate was issued by the hospital. And the hospital said to us, before we take her to the morgue, go and spend the final hours with your daughter. So this man went in and he heard that Jesus raises the dead. And I just feel, Steve, even as I'm sharing this story, that many dead things are going to come to life, even by me saying that. So he sat next to her and they had covered her with the white, um, you know, blanket or whatever they had sheets. And he starts to cry out to Jesus. And I'm telling you, you're not talking about even an evangelist. You're not talking about a preacher. He didn't know what to say. He just said that. He said to him, Jesus, I heard that you raised the dead. Would you do this for my daughter? And as he sang those simple words, Steve, she starts sneezing. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? (laughs) She starts sneezing. And he is beside himself. And the hospital don't want to acknowledge it because that's a huge deal. So he said to the guard at the door, if this was your child and Jesus did this to her, would you let me in? And the guy was like, okay, just go, just go, just go. (laughs) So, and and not just that, in the area of deliverance, I know that yesterday, um, Johnny was speaking about deliverance a lot. Well, so many Muslim imams, they are the Muslim like pastors, They become so demonized. And what do they do? They have visions and dreams that if they were to go and get someone who's Christian to pray for them, that Jesus would set them free. So recently, a Muslim imam who was like really high up there and Jesus said to him, I am God. And I have authority over everything that's tormenting you and destroying you. He went to church he got delivered and he spoke in the microphone and said, I don't know. I don't care what it's going to cost me, but that's what happened. And Jesus set me free. So you really get to see that in the middle of immense persecution, 
the glory of God shines because it no longer becomes a doctrine. It becomes real. Jesus, the resurrected king, is so real. And he is the one who is grabbing a hold of all these people who are seeking him. So that's a part of my story. And that's I when... Mean, and why do you think, Yvonne, um, I would love, love, love that if that happened a lot here. We don't hear that happening is it because we're not desperate enough? Is it because we're not persecuted enough? Why Why isn't Jesus? I, I absolutely believe he's showing up in physical form. Um, why do you think it's less common here? I think, Steve, because, okay, so in those areas, it's not like here. Here, for example, let's look at the medical sector. Everyone or most people that I know, they have health insurance. Yeah, right. What is their insurance? Look, look, think about the word insurance. It's something that I can fall on. It's something that I can guarantee. If I'm sick, I'm going to go, I'm going to get my tests. I'm going to, over there, it's crazy. There is a desperation. That's why when you're playing the spot for the wells, most people don't actually understand. They can just take it lightly. Why? Because you can open the tap and get water. And right. drink water, okay? So you don't really understand that when those those people don't see water, they, they drink dirty water, which causes them sickness. In addition to that, when they get sick, there is no medical help. So they have no option. Either God will heal them with his supernatural power or they will die. So there is a huge level of desperation because of, of that. You know, so that's one thing. The other thing as well, whenever someone takes away your freedom, you are all of a sudden crying out more for this freedom. It's like yeah. what we're doing right now. Everyone is crying out for the United States to be free from a lot of things. Why are we crying out now more than ever before? Because we feel that things are unjust. So whenever you are in a country where things are unjust, you know, with a, there's a lot of bribery. There's a lot of fraud over there. So people know they are faced with that. So either God, you come and you deliver me or I'm going to die. There's no two options. Whereas sometimes in the Western world, we have a lot of options. I mean, if, God, if the, the hospital doesn't come for me or if this doctor doesn't come for me, don't worry, I'll go and try new age practices, you know. I'll go, I'll go and get energy healing somewhere else. So I'll go and try vitamins or I'll go. So there's right. a lot of options. Or I'll go to another doctor or go to a specialist or I'll go to a chiropractor or I'll go to a health uh, um, practitioner. I'll, like you just said, vitamins. Or there's a new uh, herb that people are, are talking about. There's always something else to try. So. Exactly. It makes sense. It makes and, sense. And think about the early church. Why did the early church have so much revival? Because they were persecuted. You know, I, I tell you this in Acts 1 8, when they got filled in the Holy Spirit, one of their mandates is that you will receive power and you will go and you will become my witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, all these places. Guess what? They didn't go anywhere. They continued to stay in Jerusalem because it was comfortable. It's what they were used to. And that's what God's coming against because God does not want us to be just comfortable. Now, I want you to flip this rather than Acts 1.8. Let's look at Acts 8.1. 
a one says that major persecution hit the church and as a result they were scattered and they went to Samaria and they went to all these places so when they were hit by persecution what happens is they ended up actually fulfilling their God-given mandate so absolutely persecution does play a big role I just feel Steve that even here um, in the United States and worldwide persecution in the West can look different to what it looks like in those Middle Eastern countries. In the Middle East, it could be like, you know, don't go to church or don't speak about Jesus or this stuff. But here, it could be the media bullying you and trying to, it could be the political realm. It could be, so there's different places here, but the whole idea is the same because what does persecution do? You are oppressed. You are stripped of your rights. You are, you feel like you're a slave. You feel like you don't have the freedom that you deserve as a citizen of this country. So it's exactly the same. It's, it's, but it's, it just looks different. So persecution paints itself. But what I just love is that the God of Egypt is the God of the United States, is the God of Australia. And I just feel that God is going to have no limits because he loves all these countries. And look at all the revival that's breaking out amongst the, the group of people where we think they're the most troublesome. Like, you know, you're looking at, at young people that are normally they're in pubs and clubs and doing drugs. What are they doing? They are worshiping God. And we are looking at them and thinking, praise God. So I feel that the love of God, the revival that's coming is going to have no limits. It's no longer Egypt or the U.S. or Australia. It's not long. God is coming to invade. It. This is actually part of the message that I was going to share or that I'm going to be sharing that God is revoking the money clause and invoking his kingdom rule. This is this time right now. And it has to happen by revoking first laws that are impossible. You're talking about what God showed me, Steve, is that there's going to be laws that are impossible to reverse. Impossible. And yeah, God- laws that we have that there's no way they could be reversed at all. There's just no no way. And God spoke to me out of Esther 8 and verses 8, where he said to her, Esther, the laws, our laws, he said to her this, anything, any law that's written in the king's name and was signed by his signet ring cannot be revoked. But there was a demonic law of when Haman went out and wrote a law to destroy the Jews. Mm. And when she won so much favor in his sight and it, it came to his attention, he said something to her, Steve, that blew my mind. I used to always think that he wrote the law. He didn't write the law. He said to her, you go and you write what pleases you. Oh, wow. And wow. whatever you write, Write it in the king's name and sign it with my signet ring. Really? When I I heard this, I was beside myself because I used to always think the king rewrote the law. No, he didn't. We're coming into a time 
of God's people being raised to great favor where we are going to be rewriting those laws and laughing at God's goodness because God said this to me, I handed you my pen and I gave you my authority. And if you operate in the name of Jesus, you operate in the authority of Jesus. So like in our system of laws in Washington, D.C., you got to have 60% um, of House and Senate in order to uh, resist the president vetoing it. You mm-hmm. have to have 60%. Uh, you can't do it. If, if he vetoes, you could pass a great law, but if he vetoes it, there's nothing unless you have 60%. We don't even have anywhere near 60%. And what I'm hearing you saying is it's not going to matter for some reason in some way, it's not going to matter if we have 60% or not. We're going to be able to rewrite the, some of these laws. Absolutely, Steve. And God's people need to dare to believe. Because what I'm talking about, Esther 8.8, you are talking about a system that was in place. And the king clearly said to her, Esther, can't be done. There's no way. Because this decree went out to 127 provinces. It was already signed in my name. It was already sealed. There is no way. And in the natural, Steve, it's not going to make any sense. God is going to be turning it around. And that's what we need to believe, that the current system that is in place, God is the one who's going to be turning everything around. In actual fact, that's what Esther 9.22 says. It says that these are days where sorrow will be turned into gladness and mourning into celebration. It says because God has turned it around for them. So it wasn't they that turned it around. God, and this is the prophetic phrase that I kept getting this month, God said to me, tell my people, I'm about to do some turning. Are you ready? Are we ready? It took Esther not to be silent. And what's actually so beautiful about her story is that when she entered into the king's presence, she knew she was going to lose her life or she could have lost her life. But the Bible says she went in with her, with her majestic attire. In other words, she did not go in as anyone. She went in to remind him that I am your royal counterpart. And that is the first time in the text where the king acknowledges that and actually addresses her as Queen Esther. He says to Queen Esther, what is it that they want? up to half the kingdom. The moment he stretched the golden scepter, that is when deliverance actually started. So I am believing, Steve, that we are entering a divinely appointed time where God will be doing some turning, raising very strategic people, positioning them in very strategic places. And I think I shared with you a couple of days ago about the chessboard, where I saw a chessboard but it wasn't like the one we see here on earth. It was, it was actually amazing because the, normally in a chessboard, both teams have a king and a queen. This didn't. One side had the king and the queen. And I said to the Lord, who's the queen? He said to me, that's my church. Wow. My church that's sitting right in front of me. And God's team surrounded the whole entire board. And the enemy was so trapped in the middle. And God and I said to him, why, why are you 
strategically positioned yourself this way. He said, because I am about to do some turning. So we as God's people need to understand that and actually get excited about that. Because I, I just feel, Steve, we're coming into a time of great exposure, great exposure. And the Lord really highlighted the book of Esther. He said, to me, when you look at this book, God seems to be hidden from the picture. Esther's identity seems to be hidden. And whenever that happens, there's always a hidden enemy and a hidden battle. So we need to know that if exposure is to happen, we need to identify the hidden enemy and the hidden battle. And unless we identify that, then we can't actually expose them. But the moment she stepped into her God-given identity and chose not to be silent, and that's the thing, the enemy wants to silence us. All the previous events since COVID is to silence God's people. It's to silence the church. I mean, it doesn't make sense when clubs are open and churches are shut. It, it doesn't make any sense. So there are a lot of things that don't make sense. And it's up to us. Will we be silent? Because this is what her uncle said to her. He said to Esther, who knows? Maybe you came into your royal position for such a time as that. And she grabbed the hold of this word, her royal position. Because when she entered the king's presence, she entered as a queen, despite her Jewish identity. It didn't matter about her Jewish nationality. She's not going in because she's Jewish. She's going in because she's queen. So are we going to pick up our game and not be fearful and stand up and speak and not be silent? You know, you know it's, what's really interesting in that is that uh, Mordecai, or Mordecai, however you say it, he didn't prophesy, at least he didn't say, thus saith the Lord. He didn't say, thus saith the Lord. He said, who knows if for such a time as this. And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes we don't hear the voice of the Lord when the voice of the Lord is clear, clearly spoken because it starts with who knows. So Maybe God's. And so uh, I feel like there's some oil on that that people need to, to yeah. learn and listen to that because many of those watching have very wise counselors, spiritual fathers and mothers who would from time to time say, hey, who knows? Maybe God, and you better listen to that because they might be doing a Mordecai and, yeah. and prophesying. They're just not starting with thus says the Lord. So yeah. just thought I would throw that out there. Uh, Steve, I love that. And that gets us to really pay attention to everything that's going on. Because as you said, this might not come in the way where a prophet's prophesying and he's saying, yeah. okay, I'm married. No, it might just come as that small promptings. But you know what? She took a hold of that her royal position and she did two things. She went in because he said to her, go and beg for us. She did not beg. If she was going to beg, she'd be on her knees. But two things that she did, she acted in her position as queen, and that's that status. And the next one is her position. She went in standing. She did not go in begging. And because she acted in her God-given position, the king acknowledged that. What is so beautiful, Steve, in that particular text is that that night, well, when she entered his presence, he became really worried. 
because she didn't even tell him what she wanted. So he's thinking, what would get her to risk her life, step into my presence and not even tell me? Wow. And the Bible wow. says that night, the king lost his sleep. That night, the same night that Haman was planning this attack, the king lost his sleep and he called for the royal archives to be opened. And what coincidence? And the Lord said to me, you're coming into a time of so many coincidences. It's going to be, you're going to think it cannot be another coincidence because it's so crazy. I mean, honestly, what coincidence would get him to turn to the same page as right. her uncle who saved his life. And that is the same time that Haman is planning to kill her uncle. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. It's true. What God is doing in the lives of so many believers and in the life of this country, it's going to be too many coincidences to think that this is not God. God. And you know, his whole, whole thing about if I couldn't sleep, and I was going crazy because I couldn't sleep, the very last thing I would ever think to do is go look at the archives, <laughs> go look at the historical records. Who cares? I can't sleep. You know, for him to ask for that is kind of miraculous anyway. Like it, it, it came to him. I got nothing else to do. I might as well read some archives, go wake up all the historians and tell them to read me some, from the archives. And like you said, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Absolutely, Steve. And it's amazing because later on, when she comes into his presence again, this is risky because she is yeah. to be annoying him because you got to think about, okay, his extended grace. He said to you, I'm not going to kill you. Tell me what you want. And she's like, come for a banquet. And he's like, okay. And then what is it that you want? Come for another banquet. What is it that you want? He, he, she's really, really strategically pushing her boundaries, but it's totally. the place where she exposes him. And I tell you something, um, a lot of the books that I read is the um, historical books of Esther. So a lot of yeah. people might not know this, but there's the Deuterocanonical books, which has additions to Esther. So these are more about Esther, but they just haven't been included in the Bible that we read. The king loved Haman. So in those books, there's a letter written by the king firsthand. And the king says this. He says, Haman, who is second in charge, he excels the wisdom of all my advisors. He excels. And he says how Haman bribed him. And that's what I heard, Steve. God's exposing bribes. Wow. God is exposing fraud. Haman had bribed him. He said to him, I'm going to pay 10,000 pieces of silver for you to get this law through. I mean, what's the urge? Why are you trying to cost yourself to even do that? But on that table, everything was exposed. And what many people might miss is that God's calling us to end end the enemy like we've got to we cannot this is not like a, this is not a game because a lot of people don't know this but Haman is actually the descendant of King Agag and oh, when really? people yeah his name is Haman the Agagite so when God's people were newly de uh, delivered from Egypt it was the Amalekites that tried to kill them 
Wasn't it, it wasn't it King Agag that Saul was supposed to kill? Exactly. And, and he didn't do it in disobedience to, to God, and now this is the result. Absolutely. And before he turns his ugly head again, the first time he appeared was back in the book of Deuteronomy where God commanded Moses and said to him, I want you to blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Wow. And they didn't do a good job. They let him. And a lot of what happens today is sometimes things happen because we let it happen. We just like turn a blind eye and we compromise and we're like, it's okay. That can go. Don't worry. No, God is saying we need as a church come together, one voice, one heart, one spirit and blot the enemy. Because as you said later on, he comes on the scene again and he tries to kill Saul. Well, Saul doesn't kill him. Saul actually spares his life. You know who kills him? The prophets do. Samuel, wow. did you let him go? You were meant to kill him. You were meant to finish him off. And he's like, I let him go. So Samuel killed him, but left his descendants. And years go by and he turns his ugly head again and tries to kill God's people again. And I love Esther because she's a prototype of Christ. She saved her people just like Jesus saved the world. Wow. And not just that, they, I mean, the people of Israel, they carried the seed of the Messiah. So you can understand that the enemy is out to get that seed from early on. And it's because they let him go. So we're gonna, we need that Holy Spirit conviction right now. Are we still going to let things go? Or are we going to come into agreement and we're saying, no, we're actually standing up. We're actually not going to be silent. We're acting out of our God-given royal position. We're not being scared anymore. And that is the people that God is calling because the revival that's happening now, Steve, that is nothing to what's happening, to what's coming. Nothing. The Lord showed me a huge waterfall. It was as strong as the waterfalls in Niagara. Wow. I mean, those waterfalls in Niagara, if someone gets under them, their bones are dead. They're, They're gone. Broken, right? They're gone. They're gone. What God showed me is the revival that you're seeing right now is the trickle. It's the, it's the start of this huge revival from every state, from every nationality, from it. It's coming. It's intensifying. But what it's going to be, we need to be, we need to get rid of compromise. Get rid of fear and understand something, Steve. The moment her identity was revealed, the, her God was also revealed. Because you get to see that God is in between every page. God is there to save his people. God was there on the stage when he gave her the determination to enter and risk her life. So all of a sudden, those people who are like, where's God? Why did God allow what happened yeah. to happen? Right? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, all the prophets, you know, prophesied, and that's really not what's happening. Rather than saying those negativities, our eyes are going to be open that God is working and He's got a majestic plan behind the scene. Like when I told you about the chessboard, I heard God say, The king's about to make a move. Are you ready? 
And I was like, oops, I'm ready. I want to I want to watch this amazing move that's coming because we're going to be like, man, this can only be God. It can't be anything else. And the moment God is revealed, the enemy is revealed. And the hidden battle is revealed. Everything is just exposed the moment we walk in our God-given identity because that's how oh. it was always been. So we need to not undermine ourselves, not undermine our voice, not come and say, well, who am I? And what's my prophecy going to do? Or what will my intercession do? Or what will all of this do? Because, you know, Steve, I actually want to tell you this. It was back in April that I had this encounter with God. And it was me coming into the lighthouse. I saw this lighthouse and God was telling me, come up higher. And I went in this lighthouse and I was interceding. And I looked and in the lighthouse, I was able to see through concrete. It was actually scary. And I remember back then in April, I saw all those demonic establishments and they were thriving because under them, there were demonic portals and they were all dressed in masks. You know, those Venice masks that were all dressed in those beautiful masks. But like, a, the, like one of those costume parties where it's a, yeah, yes. everyone's got these fancy masks on, that kind of thing. And it's and kind they, of beautiful. Is, is, it, is, it, is it kind of a beautiful almost? It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, but behind them, the people's faces were so evil. They were so, mm. they were so scarred. And I was, I remember back then I said to God, why are they, why are they thriving? And he said to me, because many of my people worship them. And I was like, what do you mean, God? He said, because of compromise, many of my people are being silent and they compromise the truth. And he gave me a prayer from the book of Revelation where so many people came before the throne room and they said, to you be the power. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. And as I started to pray that, my eyes are open. And all of a sudden, I get to see that I wasn't the only one in this lighthouse. There were so many other lighthouses. And there were so many intercessors. And as we all began to declare and decree the same prayer, those demonic establishments, they were being destroyed but it was the way Jericho was being destroyed. It was from inside out. It was almost like God says, I'm going to turn their planes against them and there's going to be division within them. So it only happened when we were united, when we were decreeing and declaring his goodness, his power, his kingdom. That is when those people were collapsing. So this is a serious call and that's back in April. And I'm not saying, and, and God said that revival is going to start. So I'm not saying I'm the only one who like prophesied as the be or anything like that. But I certainly did see that revival will spark back in April before that even happened. And you're and- saying the April uh, the Asbury revival that we love, love, love. They could make movies of it, I'm sure. And the Jesus Revolution movies coming out has come out at the same time. Uh, I don't know if you're saying both the same, but at least the Asbury revival, you're saying this is like this compared to this, is like a teaspoon compared to Niagara Falls about what's yes. coming. Yes. Wow. So 
So we can't stop here because I know that so many people are excited about it. And there's more universities and colleges that are coming out with revival. Yeah. We actually need to nourish it. We have a role rather than criticizing it, rather than yeah. thinking, oh, it hasn't happened in my ministry. I don't know if this is right. My ministry is all about revival. And I'm, we need to stop. Those voices need to stop. There's accusing voices because those revivals, we need to be the voices who protect it and bring it into more. It's like a small plant. What I saw was this massive waterfall. I was like, wow, God, he said to me, that's what's coming. But what you see right now, they trickle. They just little. Wow. So we need to be like, okay, God, thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. Even whenever we pray for healing and sometimes people get healed a little bit first, mm -hmm. I've learned to stop and say, God, we bless what you're doing. I acknowledge what you're doing. And the moment that acknowledgement takes place. Boom, it's all going to happen one after another. And Steve, that is when evil laws will be revoked because it's not going to be in the rational anymore. Things will happen quick and fast. In actual fact, the latest word I got from the Lord was this morning. I'm in prayer and out of nowhere, I get to hear two words, record time. Record time? Record time. And I was like, what are you saying? He said to me, things are going to happen in a record time. Now, I haven't had time to add this to my notes today, but to the level that I went and I was like, what does it mean when someone says to you record time? What does that mean? So the definition that I received this morning from the dictionary was like, it will happen in the fastest possible time. Love it. And I had to write this on my notes. I was like, wow, God record time so god is not slow if someone's like god you're slow where are I? god's not slow god is orchestrating the whole scene because the hero and the king is about to make a move in actual fact steve i had written a word and i'm not sure I'm get, if i don't get time to read it it will be on the because i did send it on the um, yeah we'll we'll put it with the word so you can put it with the word. But when I when God gave me this word, this is actually, I'm not going to read it now, but it's a funny word. You know why? Because sometimes you hear God serious, but this is a word where I, where I heard God laugh. He was laughing because it started like this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot evil plans? And I was like, God, that's sound too. And then later on, it was like that I am laughing at their downfall. So that is, um, it says the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. It says, this, but I am the one enthroned. He said, your enemies will not laugh at your downfall. Rather, the one enthroned in heaven will laugh at them. And there was a pause and God begins to laugh. You know, and that one, I read that and that's the only verse that I highlighted in yellow. Here it is. You see the yellow. And it says, your enemies will not laugh at your downfall. Fall. Rather, the one enthroned in heaven will laugh at them. Yes. And it's, you know, it's how you read that even. It's like, they're not going to laugh at, the enemy's not going to laugh at you. He's going to laugh at them. So uh, that's, that's a huge, that's huge. Uh, because he, he does have a sense of humor. He, he laughs, in, but he laughs in derision, but he laughs, and this is just funny to him. 
it's hilarious to him to think that they can come against God and his anointed. Absolutely. And March is so important, Steve, because on God's calendar, God's people who've just celebrated Purim, like March 6 and 7, they were in a state of mourning. And I think a lot of the time we don't understand mourning. Yeah. Uh, in, in the Middle East, whenever someone passes away, it's horrific to the level. Now, this is not in the West. They hire mourners to heat up the funeral. So what they do, right, is they will pay people, right? That's why when Jesus went to Jairus' daughter to raise her up, the Bible says, and the mourners were there. What those mourners, by the way, are not part of the family. These are professional companies. That is their business. See, that's unthinkable. So what, what's the point? Why are they hiring mourners? What, what are they trying to accomplish? Something they can't drum up themselves or what? I tell you why. Whenever they want to tell people, right, that they really, really love this person okay. who just passed away. And so the way they show that they are in intense, intense, intense mourning is that they'll bring in these people with all those phrases. They'll have all those professional phrases like, you know, things, for example, like might, they might say something like, is it really true that I'll never see you again? Is it really true that I'll never touch you again? So they'll have all those phrases which keeps the funeral going. So wow. everyone coming in, they are wearing black they're crying they're screaming so that is how middle easterners do their funeral now in the western when i went to australia i remember the first funeral i attended they were like we're all wearing white and we're like what you're wearing what and they're like yeah because it's a celebration of life and it's like well, that good. was shocking to me but what we need to do no is that in this time god's people they were in a state of mourning when I say mourning, they were not celebrating life. They were really in distress. But God turned it like this. It didn't take long for them to go from absolute mourning to absolute celebration. Th that's wow. crazy. And we wow. can only understand that state when we understand how Middle Easterners mourn. That is what God's doing. God is bringing us into a place of ultimate celebration a place of ecstatic joy where we're gonna be losing our mind thinking god how did you do it how did you do it so quick how did you do it so far how did you do it in record time that is the word that i was receiving early this morning and i mean that's kind of like um cat kerr's been saying for over two years you know we are to celebrate uh with the eating of cake and, yeah. and it was because she saw the hilarity, the joy, the celebration, uh, the party, the other words that you might think of about how we're going to rejoice at what God does in record time, in your, in your words, and what God's shown you. And yeah, yeah, Amen. celebrate with the eating of cake, the praising of God, and, and hearing the Lord's laughter. I mean, he's going to laugh, you know. So anyway, so... And, and when we laugh, Steve, you know, our body, like, changes even medical state. Like, we, when we begin to laugh, we enter a place where we are relaxed. We know that God's got us. We enter a place of joy. Yeah. God, God wants his people because it started in March. This is the beginning. This is an appointed time on God's calendar where it begins this month. 
So we need to come in line with that, decree, decree that, and believe that this celebration has already started. Yeah, and I and lately the Lord's been talking about make sure you agree with God. Uh, agree with God means so we just heard this word. It's so good. Now it's time to agree with God that this is his will. So would you go ahead and pray for the people and uh, just you know help them, help them agree with God on this? Amen. Amen. Let's come into agreement. Father, yeah. I thank you, Lord Jesus. We invite your presence, God. And Lord, I just thank yeah. you, God everyone who is listening right now. And Father, like Mordecai said to Esther, you cannot be silent. So Father, I repent before you. And God, we corporately repent, God, of compromise or of being silent, God, in this time, or of even doubting you or even thinking that you are hidden from the scene of our life. And we come into agreement with heaven right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, that we are coming into this place yes, where God. our sorrow will be transformed into joy and mourning will be transformed into a joyous celebration as we get to stand back and watch the deliverance of the Lord where we get to see and hear you laughing. Father, in the name of King Jesus right now, I come into agreement, Lord, and we, God, renounce sadness. We renounce fear. We renounce torment right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I release the joy of God over your people right now. That even as they go to sleep tonight, they will remember that you've got this all worked out. That you, our mighty hero, shall step on the scene and get the work done in record time. Yes. So Father, in the name of King Jesus right now, we lift you up. And Lord, I just pray, God, and just release your healing into people's bodies. Those that are being tormented by sickness, Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce every demonic spirit of infirmity that's attacking physical bodies, even minds and spirit. And I release your healing power. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Receive that right in your body right now. I just thank you, Lord, that today is a day of celebration. Celebration. Today yes, is the day that you've got this, God, and we thank you. We give you all the glory and all the praise mm -hmm. in the name of King Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Amen, amen. Very good word, very rich, very full, very amazing. Good stuff, you know. Wow, there's so much. It'd be hard to pinpoint the, the one most important point, but it's all good. And, and it's all starting, as you're saying this, you're seeing this all begin this month in March that we're in, right? Absolutely, Steve. The moment we came to the end of February, I was hit with excitement. I, I didn't know. And sometimes our spirit catches that before our intellect catches that. And I was, I, and when that happens, I go back and look on God's calendar. What's happening on God's calendar? And it's like, whoa, this is horrible. This is where God's people began to take over, write the laws of the land again and celebrate their freedom. And the Lord said, I'm doing it again. I so am good. doing it again. So yes, absolutely. And, and I'll be witness to that because you and I are in daily contact. Yes. Um, you're often giving, praying and then giving us a word, which is always so encouraging. You have been saying ever since, well, this is the 14th. 
you've been saying every day or two, God's been talking to me about March, March. This is March. This is the month that, you know, and you different words you use all the time. But let me just bear witness with that. You've been saying March, all March. And you <laughs> haven't said that other month. So I just want people to know that. So. so God bless you, Yvonne. God bless you. And uh, a quick reminder, everyone, Donna Rigney will be with us tomorrow at 11. So thanks again, Yvonne. Give, our, give my love to Mina I as will. well. He and I stay in touch as well. Uh, you guys are both hilarious. We laugh together when we get together, so it's pretty fun. So, all right, have a great day, Yvonne, and hi, Mina, back there somewhere. And we will see you all again tomorrow. Have a good day. Okay, bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.